Hey, Tara and Kiki, I appreciate you both being here today. And I appreciate everybody also being with us today. These uncomfortable conversations, they're hard to have, but they're really important to have. We want to truly better our craft beer industry some, the way we want to. It's reported that 90% of women in the service industry have experienced some form of sexual harassment. While the craft beer industry is dominated by white males like me, that doesn't mean we can't create tap rooms and companies where everyone is treated with respect. Moreover, it shouldn't be stated that sexual harassment doesn't just happen to women. It can happen to anyone. It's unfortunate like that terrible experiences like we're going to talk about today have to be the tipping point for conversations like this. We should have been having them all along. In the wake of hearing the, the verdict from the George Floyd tragedy, you know, it's unfortunate that incidents like this, they fuel greater conversations on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm truly sorry that these terrible experiences have been the forces that fuel greater attention and action in craft beer. I appreciate you both being here today and brave enough to let your voices be heard. And I would love at this point in time for you both to introduce yourselves, tell everybody about who you are. Go ahead, Kiki. Uh, okay. <laughs> Hi, my name is Kiki Gibb. I was the microbiologist at Boulevard Brewing Company for about two years. Um, a couple months ago, I wrote- I wrote- Sorry. Sorry. There's some feedback. There's some feedback. I wrote an post on Reddit uh, describing what I went through when I uh, found out I was pregnant at that company. Um, it went viral a lot quicker than I thought it would, and then eventually I, I came public. The consequences of that have been really interesting. I think so far three executives have been forced to resign, um, and I believe three or four other employees were, were fired as well, um, and they've had to hire outside independent HR. Um, I don't work in that lab anymore. I work in a different lab, but um, I have a lot of experience in the brew industry before that, including being a brewer and um, working in homebrew things as well. And Kiki, I really appreciate you being here today and being brave enough to let your voice be a leader for helping this change make our industry even better. Now, Tara, you've been on quite a few panels, but I'd love for you to still introduce yourself today. <laughs> sure. I'm Tara Nuran. I'm the Beer and Spirits contributor to Forbes. And I'm the author of a book about the history of women in beer called A Woman's Places in the Brew House. Um, I do specialize in coverage of women in beer. I do not profess in any way to be an expert um, on sexual harassment or violence or discrimination in the workplace, but I have had the privilege to speak to women like Kiki who have been victimized by these problems. And um, I'm here to try to help put the problem into some perspective and um, give sort of a broader context for it if necessary. And then, you know, with the two of you and, and maybe with some questions or suggestions from our viewers, um, come up with some solutions too. Well, Tara, always appreciate having you and I really enjoy your unique perspective. I mean, I think you more than almost anyone have done so many studies on the women's role and what women do and how they've improved the craft beer industry over time. So one, I know I'm looking forward to your book, but two, I'm looking forward to your insight from today. And you were part of a panel about a month ago. It was about the panel with witches and craft beer and those myths we dispelled. And women and other bodies have been treated unfairly in our industry for hundreds of years. My question is, why haven't we improved? Why are we having this conversation right now? And why do we continue to tolerate sexism and sexual harassment? And why is this still a problem in craft beer? 
I'd love to just start really general and hear both of your thoughts on why this is a problem we still feel the need and we, we do need to talk about right now. Um, you know, usually my first answer when this subject comes up as to why is it still such a problem is um, there are very few women who feel comfortable enough to come forward um, and talk about what's happened to them. Kiki is one of a very, very few women. Um, obviously, brewing is still very male dominated and studies have shown that there is far greater um, tolerance, far greater incidences of sexual harassment um, in male dominated industries. And um, the primary reason I believe most women don't come forward to talk about it, even to their, you know, within their own breweries, within their own companies, even to their own HR departments, is the fear of retaliation. Um, you know, well, first of all, they might not get believed. Second of all, um, if they're speaking to somebody who has a higher position than they do, they might be the ones to get laid off or, you know, ask, be asked to make accommodations. The person, as in the case of Boulevard, the people who were who were accused of being the worst perpetrators were very high-ranking people in the company, people who've been there for decades. Excuse me, I'm sitting outside and my allergies are really hurting my eyes. Um, and uh, no one wants to be thought of as that girl, you know, that girl who files a lawsuit, that girl who complains, you know, let's say she leaves um, the problematic brewery. You know, it's a small industry, especially within markets. So if she leaves, Brewery A because of problems, it's pretty and has made made her situation public. It's pretty likely everybody else in the market will have heard about it, and that woman tends to be very afraid of getting black. I don't know if it's okay to say blackballed anymore. Probably not. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, having trouble getting hired elsewhere. And Tara, in all of your research. Have you found any situations where the industry, craft beer industry, has tried to make improvements on the treatment of women over the past, you know, several hundred centuries, several centuries? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the trajectory of um, women in beer until about 1976 has gotten worse, not better over time. Um, I think now with people starting to talk about it publicly for the very first time I feel with people like Kiki coming out with panels like this, with some journalists scattered here and there um, writing about the situation, it is coming to light. And I think that will allow um, the industry to improve itself. Um, there are a couple positive um, things happening here and there. I think off the top of my head of Stone, for instance, the women of Stone have come together and put together the Stone Brewing Network. Um, is that what it's called? Anyway, they got together and um, talk about all sorts of issues that impact women in the workplace. Men are welcome. Um, and a lot of it is networking, but by creating solidarity within companies between the women, um, I think that will strengthen people's voices who are facing problems. Um, let's say, you know, lots of big breweries had this group and some of those breweries were problematic. If the women get together and talk, um, they might they might feel, you know, um, bring about the courage to come forward as a group, which is obviously far less scary than doing it as an individual. 
Absolutely. And Kiki, from your position, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how this continues to exist. Well, I think the problem is actually twofold and um, sort of a problem with the whole industry, not just women. One of the things that I feel or I felt personally, and I think a lot of people in the brewing industry feel that they are very progressive. We are a very progressive group. We are young. We are hip. We um, are doing interesting things. And I think the idea that you're progressive can kind of create a blind spot because um, I'm sure there's lots of people that are listening right now. And they're like, well, I'm I'm not sexist and I haven't harassed anyone and this isn't a problem I have. Um, and sometimes it takes taking a moment and saying I may feel progressive, but maybe the environment I've created isn't. Um, and then the other side too is you're mentioning Tara, how small the industry is. Um, complaining about anything at your job for anyone about anything can can ruin your your uh, position in the industry. Um, so if you you know I've seen people that are afraid to complain about safety issues at their brewery for fear that they will never get hired again. Um, so when it comes to such a small population like women, uh, it's sort of doubled down of just there's no incentive. There's every there's pretty much no incentive for speaking up if there's a, a harassment environment. Um, there's always going to be someone else willing to do your job um, that might not be willing to speak up. And that's true for any problem in, across the craft brewery. brewing industry. And, and, Kiki, um, and looking at our industry, sorry, go ahead, Tara. Oh, I was just going to um, say, Kiki, what you're saying about it being a progressive industry and that we have a blind spot, I think, is so spot on. Um, you know, I tell this story all the time, but I was reporting on women in beer for many years before anyone felt comfortable enough with me to admit that there was a problem that they had been discriminated against. Um, because there is just this like, it's such a community, we all love each other, we're so awesome, um, that the expectation is that it's not happening in the industry. So there's even a, maybe a greater challenge to overcome in speaking about it because there's probably so much denial there and a lot of self-denial, like you said. I'm glad you brought that up. And the statement that craft beer is such a great community or all about community, it's one of my favorite things to say. And it's one of my absolute least favorite things to say at the exact same time, because with so much conversation about ways to make our industry more inclusive, more diverse, more equitable, so many times you go into a brewery and you unfortunately see everybody who looks just like me. And I don't believe we're taking the effort and doing the work we need to to make our industry a place that's truly representative of the community that surrounds where our breweries lie. And I think that's something we really need to improve upon. And, you know, Kiki, you had mentioned that so much focus is on the brewing side of the industry earlier. And, you know, brewing the next cool, hazy IPA, your double dry hop sours, focus on all of that stuff is what's important. We don't see a lot of time where breweries are taking the time to have a, you know, a couple hours session on learning ways to cope with things. You don't see, you know, HR taking the lead and having seminars on sexual harassment or ways you can, you know, help customers who are in difficult situations. You don't see training on things like this. You know, lots of breweries, they don't have dedicated HR departments. Do you believe this is a big part of the problem? Um, yes and no. Um, I think most craft breweries are very, very small. They can't, you know, you generally have a seller person, a brewer, and an, an owner, right? And they're all doing multiple jobs. Um, and so you have people that start brewing that maybe don't have management experience at all. 
you know, and they just had a passion for beer. Um, and then you have, you know, again, those small relationships and things like that. And so even, even if you had an HR, I think a lot of times you have a management structure or um, frankly, a manager and owner that wouldn't even know how to react to that because they, they just don't have that experience. And when you have these tiny breweries that are built on passion, not necessarily built on personal interactions to a certain extent. And at Boulevard, um, from what I have heard and read, um, the HR person is was considered <laughs> to be part of the problem, and she left. Um, I don't know what your feeling is on that, or you know, not that you need to comment on it, but um, the systems that are put in place sometimes don't work. Well, and I think the common piece of advice you're given is HR is not there for you. HR is there to protect the company. They're not there to protect you. And in and over and over again, if if you know, I've learned a lot about workplace law and like what actually is illegal and not legal. And to a certain extent, as long as HR can prove that they tried to address the issue, that's all they have to do. So I, I don't think adding HR to every single brewery would fix it because they're there to protect the company. They're not there to improve worker environments necessarily. And Kiki, from your experience, what would you have liked to have available to you? Because obviously you, you believe that HR wasn't necessarily on your side. What resources would have been valuable to you to make you feel respected and that they wanted to make a change and they cared about you. I, you know, I thought about that a lot of like what, you know, obviously over and over again, what could have happened or what could have happened differently. And I, I think the attitude of the people in charge was such that nothing, like nothing could have made it better because my boss was told to, to stop you know, being a jerk to totally like she has to have maternity leave and things like that. And it didn't change his personal attitude. Um, but I also think there was a lot of disdain from the upper people, uh, like from HR and from a lot of the executives of that attitude of you're lucky to be here, uh, which is the same we're talking about why why people don't report issues for in, you know, all over the industry. So I think if the upper crust has the idea of like you owe us, like you're lucky to even have this job, it doesn't matter what you bring to HR. Um, they they aren't they don't care. They don't care about you. And you, there's so much pressure also on people who are making the financial decisions in, in companies. You know, let's say your own brewery culture is great, but you've got some jerks who work at your wholesaler or you've got some accounts who are, you know, not progressive or suppliers or contractors or customers. I mean, every one of those relationships represents money, right? And so it takes, it takes, it takes a lot of integrity that everybody should have, but not everybody does, to stand up to your wholesaler or an account or a customer and say, we're not going to tolerate that. You need to stop or we're not going to do business with you anymore. I don't know if you, well, you were in-house. You, I don't know if you ever encountered that. But I mean, and, you know, and actually getting back to the what we were saying about this being such um such a uh, progressive industry is yes within brewing we do tend to be a progressive industry but i you know we don't have to tell anybody watching that you know distributors are sometimes pretty old school you know good old boys um you know old school account owners you know account owners things like that so um there's a whole sort of 
ecosystem you have to interact with in the industry and any one of those people could certainly you know be inappropriate and excuse me i'm going to stand up and um the sun did something it wasn't supposed to do and i'm just going to adjust the the umbrella but keep talking <laughs> yeah and you know, uh, a lot of those people, a lot of people that manage the big accounts, like quite frankly, are older men who have been in the industry for a while and are used to a certain, I don't know, party attitude. Now, I one time saw a group of sale, I believe they were salesmen from out of town wanted to do like a tasting with um, someone from the lab. And it was just, they were very intoxicated and very disrespectful and basically just kind of hitting on her and ignoring everything she said. And, you know, when she complained, it was brushed off. And the next year when she didn't want to do it, she was really pressured into doing it again, even though she expressed that she was very uncomfortable. So that, that bleeds over very easily, even if you are in house with those people that can, can come in and out and there's just an expectation or, or they brush it off. Like, oh, that just happens. A very frustrating thing for me to hear is how this is allowed to fester. It, it's festering. It's not fostering in these companies because it's a terrible thing that we see happen. And it makes me so upset that experiences like yours, Kiki, have to be the straw on the camel's back that causes us to talk about it. From both of your perspectives, is there a way we can have these conversations without having terrible things happen to more people? You know, I was thinking about that before we started and um it, it's obviously very tricky because i'm thinking well what could be done an anonymous um you know right on the bathroom wall electronically you know stay away from this guy well then you could just hurl accusations at anybody i know a lot of people um for instance look to the pink boots society to step into these situations and um they're facing a lot of accusations right now, the Pink Boots Society is for not getting involved in those accusations. Um, somebody told me that they were ignoring humanitarian, um, that they were ignoring human rights abuses. And, and that may be true, um, but Pink Boots is set up to do something completely different. So um, maybe I'm answering the question too indirectly, I'm saying what, what isn't being done and maybe inappropriate to be done, but just because there's a women in beer organization doesn't mean that they need to take responsibility for taking care of every single issue that women in brewing face. So maybe there could be some other sort of ad hoc organization to maybe have some lawyers on it working pro bono or something to maybe send some letters on, on women's behalf. I don't know. Kiki, what do you think? Well, I mean, one problem that comes with, you know, tokenization in an industry like this is that, I mean, I wrote my post, everyone knew who, who I was, everyone knew who the microbiologist at Boulevard was, the pregnant microbiologist at Boulevard. There, everyone knows there's, there were two women in production at Boulevard. It was one of the two of us. Um, and so when you have so few people, the idea of an anonymous system is almost laughable. Um, I do think because, you know, you said, Andrew, that you didn't like the community phrase, but I do think to a certain extent, the community can hold uh, companies responsible. Um, a lot of times it means pushing through that dream job, you know, again, that idea that, you know, this is the best job I could ever have. Um, but I do think the community does a, an okay job holding people responsible. Um, but otherwise, it's, I think nothing's really going to change until people proactively and like 
people in the industry proactively want to change it and, and create their own environment to do that, even if it's not comfortable or not as fun, or if you have to fire someone you really like, um, which I think happens too. I do and think, Gigi, yeah. no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Oh, I was going to say, I do think that, you know, speaking of George Floyd and the verdict coming in, um, some of the really positive developments that have happened in the years since his death um, are that the conversations around diversity and inclusion are happening and breweries are spending, some breweries are spending money to bring people in to do trainings and such. Um, and the point that gets overlooked is that when we talk about DEI, it's not just racial, ethnic, um, gender, it's everything. And um, Dr. J, I think it was, said to me once, and that even, you know, that includes white guys. Um, so strides that get made in the training and the talking about these sorts of issues, I, I hope that people remember and emphasize that this does apply to, um, you know, sexual harassment and violence and such too, not just, you know, like I said, racial, um, ethnic, and, and gender issues. And Tara, I want to go back to something you mentioned a couple minutes ago, like whether or not there needs to be a greater organization that's the one kind of encouraging breweries to be better, or does it start at the grassroots level with every individual brewery, you know, just wanting to be better? Because having a successful business isn't just about making really good beer. It's not just about running a strong business. It's about being really good people. And Kiki, like you mentioned, that community phrase is something I love and I hate because I love the craft beer community. And I want it to be as strong, diverse, and inclusive as possible for everybody. But that community needs to come together to be better and to make these changes we want to see. But what are both of your thoughts on Tara to kind of go back to that idea about, do you think we would see benefit from a larger organization taking a stand and putting a standard out there saying, hey, your brewery needs to go through this course. You need to go through the certification process. You need to read this book. You need to watch this webinar. Or do you think you have to put the the move on the brewery itself saying, hey, we this is something they need to do and start from the ground up because they want to change versus someone telling them it's something they should be doing with regard to like the educational component of just creating better places? Um, you know, I think, I think there has to be buy-in for that. I don't think most people, individuals, and then the individuals who make up companies like to be told what they have to do. Um, you know, I think the Brewers Association has gone as far as they're going to for the foreseeable future with, you know, their parameters that they've set. Um, and so, I mean, maybe there could be some sort of model, like to bring up Dr. J again, you know, she's got this, um, voluntary program um i don't remember right offhand what she calls it but breweries can sign up and basically she's got a checklist of ways to be inclusive make your brewery more inclusive and you go through all these steps and you check them off and once you've you know fulfilled a certain number of of the steps you're certified by her or whatever you know word she she has um and i think that could work but i don't think that because there's like any sort of like community licensing for breweries or anything beyond like the legal licensing and you don't have to be a member of the Brewers Association to be in operation, I think it would just have to take some buy-in and, and everybody makes their own priorities for how they want to spend their money. And, and actually, here's an example. So 
Um, two or three years ago, I wrote a story about um, bars in Philadelphia and how there was this nonprofit organization going around to bars to train them how to recognize um, basically signs of trouble um, it, within their businesses. You know, do you do you see a woman who looks like she has maybe like gotten doped up by her date or something like that? Um, and bar owners didn't want to do it. It cost practically nothing. It had it required very little investment, and they would get to like put a sticker in their window and and you know basically tell women that they were trained to be a safe place. And people were like, "Oh, well, if I participate in that, people are going to think that it happens here. So I'm going to stay as far away from that as possible." So I think there's a lot of nervousness to even associate with the idea that um, you know anything like that could be happening, even if we're just talking about your random customer who comes in and not employees or managers. So. Yeah, I do think personal buy-in, I mean, if there's anything we've learned in the last couple of years when we talk about racial justice and things like that, it, it starts with personal buy-in. And if you don't actively want to commit to making the problem better, uh, I don't, you can watch all, all the videos and books in the world and it takes action. I, unfortunately, I don't. I don't know what that action is. My <laughs> my action was to complain on Reddit, but <laughs> uh, but no, it takes action from within the company, and that action has to come from people wanting it to be different. I don't think if you, you know, it's so again, so many craft breweries are just like three or four people working together. Uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna have some overarching group that can really demand that 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 changes. Kiki, that's a really good point. I think action is absolutely necessary, but on the same token, what action is necessary to make the changes we want to see? I mean, it's really frustrating, but encouraging to talk about, to walk through these steps of trying to figure out what the right course of action is. And what Dr. J is doing with Crafted for All, I think is giving actionable steps, not just saying sign up for this, say you take this pledge and voila, you don't allow sexual harassment. It doesn't work like that. You don't just put a sticker on your door and you're all of a sudden better. That's simply a Band-Aid and, and that's more so a front. I think any brewery who wants to make an active change needs to take the steps. And as we're talking about today, I don't know what they are, but education and awareness is a place to start and simply having the conversation. But one thing you know, I want to go back to with you, Kiki, is you were brave enough to actually let your voice be heard when you wrote that post. You know, what was your thought process like when you decided to speak out? So I, I just thought of this while you're speaking. If we want to talk about something that we can do, like everyone in the brewing industry can do, which is, is going to relate to your question, is as a community, we have to make the choice not to ostracize people who speak out about anything. Like I said, whether it's safety issues, whether it's bad management, whether it's, you know, bad quality control. If someone speaks out, we can't be like, thanks for saying that, but we're never hiring you in this industry again. Um, and that is something that I think we can all actively do. So if you know of someone that maybe lost a job or left a brewery and are complaining about what happened there, don't be afraid to hire that person. Don't be, don't just be like, bye-bye. So to that note, I felt like I could do it because I have left the industry. Um, and I, it was honestly one of the reasons I stayed longer, as long as I did. Um, it, I didn't accept the job for almost a month because I, and my main thing was like, if I leave the brewing industry, I might not be able to ever come back. And it, because I just completely changed fields, I'm still working in a lab, but, um, 
and that that pull was really hard. But once I did it, once I ripped the bandaid off and I left the industry, then I felt like I could speak out more. Um, people on Reddit that I knew, that I've met there, um, spent a lot of time on Reddit, <laughs> in the brewery subreddit uh, that I got to know, I you know met, visited their breweries, things like that. They knew what was going on. Um, but even within that that group or some smaller groups associated with it, I I didn't feel comfortable talking about what happened to me until I left. And even then, I didn't feel comfortable we'll talk about all of it um, until, you know, I'd been gone for a year. I'd had the kid. I, you know, I'd really felt settled and moved on and sort of made my peace that I probably would not going to be in the industry anymore. Um, and I think that's a big piece of it. If you want some sort of change, we all have to be willing. We, <laughs> you all <laughs> uh, have to be willing to, to accept people that leave companies and accept people that report. And I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of people willing to do that. I love the friendships you had, you've created on Reddit because I mean, while CBP were based on Facebook, it's still that virtual community and just connecting with people in similar positions across the country lets you know you're not alone. When you were reaching out to the people you met on Reddit before you decided to go public with it, what were those conversations like? What were some of the things you were talking about with people who knew what was going on at Boulevard? Yeah, and frankly, they were all young white men. <laughs> you know, uh, there were wonderful and all of them were were shocked some of them had similar experiences some of them had heard of other things from boulevard um i have a couple friends in canada <laughs> that were like you know actually i've heard that through the grapevine so you know the community does work um they're all very supportive and i think there's a level of shock and and not you know and i think that's the attitude a lot of when a lot of these things happen it's like wow i'm really surprised that happened and not surprised at all um, but they're all very, you know, very supportive and, and, uh, but they also understood why I left the industry. Like, I think anyone that has experience here for too long understands why that would happen. Do you have a number of female friends who have left the industry for similar reasons? Um, not necessarily. I, <laughs> I actually, I know a lot of people that have just left the brewing industry for different reasons. Um, I've joked that we're going to start a, like a PTSD, <laughs> a craft brewing PTSD club. Um, but a lot of them have left for, for things like bad management. So not necessarily harassment, but bad management, bad working conditions, things like that. Um, Do you I, sorry. Kiki, I was going to say, do you ever think about taking your experiences and coming back into the craft beer industry and serving as a voice and a catalyst for better change? Is that something you ever think about? I do. I, you know, I think platforms like this are the only time people are really willing to listen to it. Like you said, with the bar, like the, the bar education and safety education, I don't think there's really a lot of push or desire. Maybe there's like, again, push from within, but I don't think there's a lot of desire um which i empathize with right brewing is a hard job you're working a lot like the idea that you need to do one more thing i think can feel overwhelming mm -hmm. sometimes i'd love to i'd love to advocate more right it's it's scary to come forward and i'm kind of a jerk and wasn't afraid so <laughs> if i can like use that to help other women i would love to 
because I'm so I think that's awesome. And with regard to like the bar education, because since we decided to make this a focus in craft beer professionals, I've reached out to a couple organizations. We've had presentations from safe bars based out of Washington, D.C. We've had a recent one by Make Your Move Missoula, who did one on bystander intervention strategies. And it's been really interesting because I have been super excited to put this content out there in crappy professionals. It's not your typical brewing related content, business related content, but it's important content that it's so relevant right now. And a frustrating thing for me to see is the lack of viewership on some of these videos and the people who are consuming the videos and thanking me for having them. They're the people who already believe in change. They're the ones who are already making an effort to have these conversations, to teach others that they, they're just listening to something they already agree with. And that is really frustrating to me. And the first time we held one of these, we, we called it voices of discrimination. And, you know, just like Tara, when you're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, it includes so many different situations who could have happened to so many different people. So what we began the conversation with, we essentially had a spoken word reading of a handful of experiences of people in the industry who had something happen to them that was absolutely terrible. And it was a really harsh approach because we were just simply reading the experiences that they wrote about. They were uncomfortable to listen to, but we wanted to share that these were things that actually happened to your peers. And following the reading, we had uh, Lauren from Safe Bar just talk about ways we can be better, essentially. And that was a tough experience. And then I spoke to Brenna at Make Your Move Missoula, and she suggested a little bit lighter approach. Because when you see the title line being Voices of Discrimination, and you begin with five you know, really graphic accounts, that's <laughs> hard to listen to. So we took a lighter approach the second time around and merely just titled it Bystander Intervention Strategies. But it's like the first time, we didn't see the audience that we wanted. So my question, and this might turn into a brainstorm session, is you know, how can we make people more interested in consuming this type of content that can literally better them as a person, even though it may be uncomfortable to consume? Create a panel with a double entendre in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the you brain from that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, call it girls, girls, girls. <laughs> See who shows up. <laughs> And I was going to say, put a number in the title, three quick tips to, you know, make it sound like it's, um, you know, going to be really easily digestible. Um, and I'm sort of kidding, but sort of not. <laughs> uh, but but I, I you know, I mean, maybe instead of an hour, like 15, three tips, 15 minutes or like speed yeah, um, it, it feels probably less weighty. And so for people who, who feel like it is important, but, you know, haven't really gotten out of their way to seek it out, might have, you know, you're dropping some of the barriers that, um, you know, keep them from, from engaging. And maybe do the opposite, like look for success stories. Like, uh, you know, people may look at like, oh, that's too expensive to, I don't know, be inclusive. Look for breweries that have done it right. Breweries that, you know, give family leave. Um, again, my friend that's a brewer in Canada, they just got certified for paying a, a living wage. And it's Canada. They're wonderful. <laughs> but, you know, he just made sure his brewery was certified for give, paying a living wage. Um, and I think maybe highlighting breweries that give family leave, highlighting breweries that make sure the work-life balance is there, right? You're not a brewer working 80 hours a week by yourself. Um, 
highlighting the good ones and showing how they're successful and praising them, I think would also work as well. Just like this is possible. You don't have to be, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel to get by. No, that's a great idea, Kiki. And to kind of go back to some strategies that business can can do, I interact with a lot of breweries. And one thing I've learned is, you know, the management, the owners, they typically, unfortunately, don't ask the staff about their experience working at the brewery. They don't say, hey, Kiki, what was it like doing this? Or Tara, what was it like, you know, for your first three months working at our company? There, there's not a lot of conversation checking in on people. And I know the past year of COVID and living the life we live in, these check-ins are really important. So, you know, I would definitely recommend that breweries simply ask your employees, employees or do some sort of anonymous feedback where you can provide, you know, information on your experience working at a company just to see if maybe you'll learn something that, you know, you don't feel that you can share to better the company. Um, sorry, I, was, I don't know. If, did you just ask one of us? I was looking <laughs> at something else, so I don't want to interrupt. But um, okay. I was reading something at which I want to um, bring up. So I wasn't looking at you guys. So where'd it go? So Kate Bernat um, wrote, a, I don't want to call it a hit list, but um, wrote an article for um, craft beer and brewing. It's behind a paywall. Um, but this is, she called it the basics of anti-harassment for small breweries. And I'll just read the, um, the advice. I won't get into like her explanation, but one is employ a diverse staff because you know, the, the more you have a diverse staff and not just old school dudes, um, <laughs> you know, might, might, um, tolerate it less. Um, have a comprehensive written policy, um, a handbook that everybody actually reads and engages with. Um, make sure to communicate those policies. So she writes, having a dusty handbook no one reads isn't enough. Ask employees to sign a document stating they understand it. Um, you could probably have little trainings um, and engage with that, you know, and it doesn't have to be super serious. I don't know. You could do like role playing maybe in, in um employee meetings um, of how to navigate these situations well, to Kiki's point. Um, implement a reporting structure, so policy should specify exactly to whom employees should bring harassment and discrimination complaints to. We already talked about that's not always a fail-safe, but at least there should be somebody who's responsible for hearing those. Um, and consider anonymous reporting sources, services, and there's some services, like when she mentions allvoices.co, which um, a company can pay for, and then it allows employees to make anonymous complaints um, if you know if you feel like they might not want to come forward and identify themselves. At least, if you're the company hiring this service, you'll know what the complaints are. You might not be able to pursue you know remedies because you might not know who's complaining, but um, at least you'll know what the problems are. Um, so the, that was her quick hit list of things that, that breweries can do. And also, I think for smaller breweries, again, uh, you know, if there's just a couple employees, say something, say something, right? If, you know, if you are the head brewer and you see, like, one bartender harassing another, say something. You're the head brewer, right? Like, they, they think you're cooler than them. Um, and once one person speaks up and one person advocates for, for stopping the harassment, usually that's all it takes is really just one person being like, hey, bro, don't do that. Um, and it can be something as little as that. 
Um, and if you want to go one step further, advocate for something you don't need, right? So if you, you know, if you're an ugly dude, <laughs> you know, advocating for like, we need better protections for the females that work here, or, you know, we need family leave, even though I own five dogs, right? You know, advocating for maybe something you don't need within the company. And just sometimes the person that needs that doesn't, isn't going to be willing to speak up. But if you're able to speak up for that, um, it just gives one more voice to, to the, to the situation. And it's not like, it's not going to change the whole industry, but if you can impact that change in your own brewery, that can help set an example for other breweries. Um, Absolutely. Iki, what do you have to say about the situation? Like say you left the brewery and you obviously chose to spoke up, speak up, but there's many situations where someone will leave their employment at a brewery and they have friends who still work at that establishment and they're scared of speaking up or saying something because it couldn't affect their friends in some way. Do you have any advice to give in a situation like that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was a year before I said something. I, you know, it's the reason I didn't. I, I left Boulevard and the pandemic hit and the last year has been really, really hard on everyone, but small craft breweries, bars were shut down. You know, lots of breweries were scrambling to do something with all of their product, right? I mean, last year was really, really hard. And so I had the choice at the time to say something then, and I didn't want to. And then like, we moved in the summer and Black Lives Matter really started getting going. And I was like, ah, I can't say something now either. Um, and then like, as people started recovering, I, I still have people I really care about at Boulevard. And I, I think that's a, you know, that's a hard line to walk. But I also know that there are a lot of people at Boulevard that knew what happened to me. There are a lot of people at Boulevard that spoke to me privately. They're like, yeah, man, that's real shitty. Like he's always been that way. We don't know what to do. Sorry. You know? And it, I think sometimes it, you just have to say something and, you know, and hopefully your friends will support you. And I was afraid that when I spoke out, I, these people would never speak to me again. And some of them haven't, but I was overwhelmed by the number of people that reached out were like, thank you for saying something. And even some women, they were like, you've changed this company and we really appreciate it. So I, I don't think it's easy. Like, I'm not going to say like, do it. Everything works out fine. I don't think it does, but, um, I, that's a big issue. You know, we, again, this is a small industry. We care about the people we work for or work with. <laughs> And I don't think there ever is that right time where you should say, this is the day I'm going to speak out. It's truly when you feel comfortable doing it or brave enough to do it. So, I mean, I think it's amazing that you did speak out. Now, one question I want to ask, and I'd love to hear both of your feedback on that. With regard to Boulevard, I have no affiliation at all with Boulevard. Besides, I've enjoyed the beers for quite some time. And, you know, leading up to this, <laughs> leading up to this incident, you know, I have in my closet, I have a collection of five of their your, their love childs. It's a series of the sour beers that you would make that I would, I, I loved. And I was saving for the right moment to drink them all. And at, at this point in time, I haven't cracked one yet. I, I, I can't bring myself to drink it. I would love to hear the thoughts on, you know, the cancel culture aspect of the situation. And, you know, what does a brewing or business need to do to get good in someone's book to show they're making the efforts that way you want to support them again. I, I think this is so hard. And I, you know, I, this is so hard. Cancel culture is the only reason anyone at Boulevard was held responsible. Cancel culture can destroy a company based just on hearsay. Um, and so it, it swings back and forth either way. Um, I know personally, like I'm, 
not going to buy Boulevard for a while. Um, even though, again, I know, I actually, like, I, I know exactly what they've done to make improvements in that company. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there's, there's other breweries we've heard terrible things about, and I'm still, you know, I'll buy a six pack of their beer and be like, Oh, I shouldn't do this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, so I think just until, you know, you feel comfortable with what they've done, or if you think they've actually done something meaningful, I do think Boulevard's done something meaningful. Um, you know, and again, there's still people, individuals that work there that really care about what they do and care about their employees. So I think it's a personal, a personal thing. You know, if they've shown action and you think they mean it, it's beer, you know? And Tara, as a journalist looking at the industry, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot because of the Boulevard situation. Um, you know, I read a lot of the Reddit. It was like my first time on Reddit, probably. Um, <laughs> and uh, a lot of people were at first saying, oh, I'm boycotting Boulevard. I'm not going to buy it anymore. And Kiki, some of your former coworkers who were, you know, sort of, the voice of the employees who were still there were like, okay, we get it, but we still work there. We still have a lot of pride in our product. Um, I don't know that anybody necessarily said we still need to draw a paycheck, but you know, it, it, it is really tough because you want to show the people making the poor decisions that you don't support them, but at the same time, right, like a lot of good people are still there. Um, you know, I, I can't really answer that as a journalist, and I can't even, to be honest, answer it as a person. Um, it feels very case by case, like like both of you have said. Um, yeah, I have a Boulevard pint glass, for instance. I have a Founders pint glass, for instance. And whenever I look at them, I'm like, I should probably either get rid of those or put them in the basement. But like, they have sentimental value to me, right? Um, from the before times. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I don't go out of my way to spend money on either of those products personally, but say Boulevard in a year, if I felt like some changes were really made and there was, there were genuine changes of heart and, and progress and constructive, um, contributions to the community, I would then probably feel comfortable coming back. Um, and I think, oh, go ahead. I'll be honest, there's no replacement for Tank 7, so I don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> when I finally run out of what's in my basement. Um, I think what I was going to say is, um, to some extent, talking about the positive strides that you as a company that's been canceled are making, I, you know, obviously a lot of people will criticize you for being performative. Um, you know, not really doing anything to improve, but it's a bit of a different situation. But the other day um, I saw an Instagram post from a brewery I wasn't familiar with, and it was this long paragraph about how they had um, kicked a customer out. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you even posted it. Yeah, they had kicked a customer out um, because he was harassing another patron, I believe it was, a female patron. And um, the, uh, they, the management had trained the employees to recognize such behavior like we were talking about before. And um, 
the person writing the post said, you know, we really want to um, applaud Jake, or I think his name was Jake, our bartender. You know, he really took to heart the training we had provided. He recognized that this female patron used the safety word that we posted in the female bathrooms, and he took action. We won't tolerate this sort of behavior. And so by doing that, they really promoted the various things that they were doing and looked good by calling out the employee who had done a good job. And, you know, it's different because they hadn't been canceled first. But um, if I'm in that market and I'm going to look and see what brewery it was and, and probably try to go there to support them to show, like, I appreciate the efforts they're making on my behalf at the moment. No, absolutely. And Tara, you know, Kiki, the story at Boulevard is something that appears obviously in Tara and I's news feeds. But for the rest of the world, is this something that people are paying attention to? I had a conversation with a company out of the Kansas City area the other day, and they have Boulevard as a client for a service they provide. And I asked a question, what was that relationship like? And to them, it was just a blip. You know, it happened one day, they didn't think about it next. So because we are invested in this industry, is it seeming like it's greater news to us versus the general public? And it, should this be news that the general public sees and gets upset about? Yeah, I, I agree about it being a blip. And I think that's just, I mean, that's been the news cycle over and over again. Um, I know a lot of people that cared outside the industry that cared. Um, but I do know a lot more people within the industry cared. Um, and I think part of it is Boulevard sort of being one of the, you know, one of the grandfathers of the craft brew industry. I think, I think of who they were matters, uh, mattered. Um, I, I do think some people, I mean, I, I've heard from bars down in Florida saying they aren't going to serve Boulevard anymore, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but I, I don't, I think the general public cares. I think the craft brew, um, uh, demographic skews progressive um but i do think you know cancel culture is exhausting just as much as it is effective and so i do think there's a lot like there's a lot of burnout like you're surprised it happened you're also not surprised it happened and then something else happens um so i do think people care and i again i heard from the inside that people like wanted to cancel con uh accounts and things like that but you know, there's a lot going on. <laughs> I mean, it's I, tough. You want to hope all these companies who have these unfortunate incidents, you hope it's the inspiration to be better. I mean, that's all I can say. You made comments that Boulevard has taken steps and it sounds like you're, you're pleased with some of the steps that are taken. So hopefully other breweries see situations by industry leaders like this and are proactive versus waiting for it to happen in their tap room. And I was trying to find the incident that Terry, you mentioned the other day when the brewery, you know, kicked out the customer who was doing something inappropriate. And, and that's a fantastic example of a brewery just doing something little that actually makes a difference and makes their brewery a safer place. I think that's really important. And I'm sorry to that brewery that I can't find your name while we're having this conversation, but that's absolutely amazing. You're right, it, it was read something. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and just looking at the industry, we've talked a lot about strategies. We've talked a lot about how situations have been handled. What advice do both of you give to women who are in situations 
where they're you know maybe scared, they're maybe nervous, they may be nervous, they may be uncomfortable going to someone. You know, Kiki as someone who's been in those shoes before, and Tara as someone who's done countless reporting on women in the industry. What advice do you give to someone in that unfortunate situation? I mean, so uh, while I was at Boulevard, I, I was basically the, the straw that broke the camel's back to get the man that was harassing bartenders fired. Um, and at the time, it, it, it was very important to me to stand up for the women who felt like they couldn't speak for themselves. And I, that's just my personality, right? I said earlier, I'm a jerk. Um, and so for me, it was very, very important to speak out. But I, if you are a woman, and I think I said this when I, I wrote my original post, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to listen to Kiki. Um, listen to other women. And so if you are in the position where you're going through something, where you're being, feel like you're being discriminated against or going through harassment, tell other people. And, and my hope is that other people will listen and, and believe you. Um, and sometimes that's all you can do, but just don't feel like you're alone and don't feel like it's a secret, right? Don't feel like it's something that you have to keep to yourself. And I think the more women talk about it, um, and the more that's spread through individual relationships, I think it can get better. Um, but I, you know, not everyone, not everyone has the freedom to get another job, you know? And so I understand why women don't. No, thank you for sharing your advice, Kiki. And Tara? Um, yeah, to to um, add to what you're saying, Kiki, um, I would suggest if you can um, find somebody you trust with authority in the brewery, tell them what happened and see if they're willing to sort of be an advocate for you in some way or at least be on your side in some way. Um, I don't think that Natalie um, will mind me telling her story because she's told me and I publicized it, but um, she uh, went and reported um, her incident to the powers that be and they didn't do anything about it, the board of the brewery, until the head brewer, oh, she reported it to her supervisor, he didn't do anything, she went to the board, they didn't know what to do. Um, the head brewer, a man, quit on her behalf. Um, so um you know to have him as an ally and that's when something actually finally happened and, and maybe it doesn't have to be that drastic um so find somebody you trust who is respected and with authority in the brewery if possible and if at all possible don't wait too long to report it both at work and to the authorities because there are statutes of limitations and even when you're just talking about the eeoc there are also statutes of limitations that can run out and you know, I completely understand like so many justifications for not reporting like we've been talking about. Oh, it wasn't that big a deal. Oh, I need the money. Oh, I'm sure it won't happen again. All that stuff. Um, but don't don't let yourself do that to yourself for too long or you might not be able to get the recourse that you need. Definitely, Tara. And it's Red Top Brew House out of Georgia who had the story recently that they handled fabulously. So good job, Red Top. Now, one other question, and Tara, is something you touched on briefly a minute ago. 
you know, how can people like myself and other men and other people in the industry just simply be allies? How can we be better un at understanding and doing our part to help preventing unfortunate incidences like we've discussed? Um, you know, I think it starts with something that's a long process, which is like have a strong sense of integrity and confidence in yourself enough to be able to say to a group of obnoxious guys, like, what are you guys, five? Like, that's not funny. You know, I mean, not everyone can necessarily do that, but that's how you guys can be allies, like, just for starters. Like, eliminate the, don't make it comfortable for people who are do, perpetuating these behaviors, even the lower level ones, um, to think that it's acceptable. Um, um, honestly, I think that is the most important thing, but also, um, you know, maybe talk about it with other guy friends sometimes, um, you know, and believe other women, ask them sensitive questions. If you are friends with the woman who is struggling, you know, be an ally to her. Um, if there's something that you can do, like if you are in that position of authority that I was talking about, see if there's some way you can actively support her with the company. I mean, that's a risk for sure. You don't know if you're going to, you know, face retaliation, but, um, I would think probably more often than not wouldn't. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's almost like the graffiti, um, anti-graffiti method of policing, you know, like make the graffiti stop and hopefully you will prevent, I know it's controversial. I'm not taking a position on it, but if you're a law enforcement officer or a police department and you come down really hard on like the low level crimes with the idea that the higher level crimes aren't going to happen, um, you stop it sort of in its tracks before it, before it becomes a big problem. I would say that's, that's probably the easiest and most important thing any old guy can do, even if you're not necessarily in the position of authority. Um, I mean, definitely believe women. So it, when I first posted the thing, so many people were like, well, let's, let's hear this out and see what happens. And I think when the, the reporter, when the final like article came out in the Kansas city star, they had 16 people talk to them about abuses that had happened in Boulevard. Um, so believe women, if someone is brave enough to tell you that they're going through something hard, don't be like, ah, oh, no way. It, it takes a certain amount of bravery to talk about it. Um, and then my other piece of advice would be, like I said earlier, be proactive. So you might be sitting there being like, oh, my female employees know they can come to me. Like, it's no big deal. They know they can trust me. But maybe take that extra step to be like, hey, if you ever feel uncomfortable, tell me. Um, and by being proactive and just letting them know like that you are available for that, I think could open the door to, where, to make them more comfortable, make female employees more comfortable to, to say something. Um, and it's just a really easy step. They don't make the assumption that they, they know that. I think it really comes down to if we want a better craft beer industry, it starts with each and every one of us. We have to want to be better people, be better to others, be more respectful, be better listeners and help build awareness of these important topics that can ultimately, you know, help our industry be that community we referenced earlier, but actually be that community. I really appreciate you being so grateful. I'm sorry you've experienced all this, but I think you're a leader of thought in helping change come craft beer. Sarah, I always love your wisdom and insight and everything you bring to the table. So well, this has been a really important and really tough conversation. I appreciate you both being here today. So thank you again, and I look forward to those beers we have together, and here's to a better craft beer. Interview.
Thank you both. Thank you, so Thank much. you Andrew. Have a good evening.